1: Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Help us, Lord, to learn from you uh, as you gather us together as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Matthew 5, verse 1. Get a little more context as we look again. Matthew 5, and we see here that in Matthew 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt is lost to savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Either do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house, that your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Okay, now, since we started this chapter, we've been moving through the, the different descriptions of, the, of, the, uh, of the, the, the person or the people who are called Blessed. And maybe it seemed that, like to you, like uh, as as these are sort of random descriptions that are that 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 uh, that, as if the Lord was covering this person that's blessed and that person that's blessed, sort of like the be attitudes, be this way, be that way. But He's not doing that. As a matter of fact, the Lord is moving through the stages in a process. Of these so called beatitudes. And these stages are a process that's really describing what happens to a person as he moves from his lost condition through to becoming saved, a saved person. So, in this section here, the Beatitudes, it's really like Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress, in John Bunyan's book Pilgrim's Progress, where it's describing this life of what it is to what a person feels when they're lost as they're moving toward the great change when they're when, when a person is become going to become a saved person. And then it goes on in these Beatitudes to describe the life after he's saved. So we've seen this progression of a lost person becoming a saved person as it starts with this very intense pain, a feeling of pain over personal sin and where this sin is now taking front and center in the person's life and and it makes him feel so unworthy and he feels so reduced by his sin that he's in a state of verse 3 being poor in spirit. And then he thinks more about his sin. Then what happens is that he moves into a state of verse 4 of mourning, where he recognizes that his sin has robbed him of any chance of what Nicodemus wanted, to see the kingdom of God, to enter into the kingdom of God. And, and, And as he sees this, he sees the death of his chance of making it to heaven. So he's mourning. He's grieving, and, and 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 he's grieving. He's mourning. He's mourning, and he thinks about uh, not only what he's lost, but what he's gained, so to speak, or what he deserves, which is nothing more than to be cast into hell. And this humbles him to the point where he's he's driven to a point he can't even lift up his head to heaven, and he's and he's becoming now, verse five, meek. And he begins to wish in his meekness that that he was not a dirty, rotten sinner, that he wishes that he was righteous, and he wishes so strong that it takes him to the state of verse six of being hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And so this great need now is driving him to cry out to God for mercy to save him because the Lord has promised in Acts 2.21, Acts 2.21, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is the point in this, this is the the, the, the the point, the place here in this chapter, where now he's saved. Now he's saved. He knows he's been saved by the mercy of God. He didn't deserve this. It was by mercy. And, and, and the proof that he knows he's been saved by the mercy of God is that he becomes, verse 7, merciful. And he, because he wasn't merciful in the past, but now... He's in Christ, so he's become a merciful person because his life has been changed, where all things are passed away like being unmerciful, and now, behold, all things are become new like being merciful, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, there's no greater mercy then a, a person can show. And a person, let's say a saved person, there's no greater mercy than a saved person can show to a lost person than to try to bring that lost person to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why our new saved person in this chapter is he's desiring to do this. He wants to have others have this same wonderful salvation that he has, he's got this new, new desire in here because Before he was saved, he was in bondage to his own sin. All he thought about was his own sin, but now he's been freed. Now he's been freed, and the reason he's freed is because the Lord has made him, verse eight, to be pure in heart. Sin is taken away. Just like he's had answer to the prayer that David made in Psalm 51.10, create in me, O Lord, uh, uh, create in me a a, a clean heart, O God. And, And so the blood uh, has taken his, his sins away, as it says in Hebrews 9.14, 9.14, the blood of Christ purge your conscience. So this change in this person has been so profound from being lost to being saved that now he just can't stand the thought of anyone being cast into hell. So he's like an evangelist now. Everybody wants to, everybody sees he wants to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this makes him, verse 9, a peacemaker, a peacemaker who's working so hard for others to find the peace that he found, which is the Romans 5, 1 peace of justification. Therefore, being justified with God, we have peace, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is new job, this is new occupation. This is what he does now. He's going around to being a peacemaker. He's trying to make peace between lost souls and God. And, and, and this is what happens as he, he's following the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, If you follow me, this is what's going to happen to you, as we saw in the previous chapter in Matthew 4:19. Matthew 4:19, where the Lord Jesus said, and he saith unto them unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So now he's a fisher of men. And he's he's happy. He's, he's, he's happy. He's got this salvation. He's got this new occupation. He's got purpose in his life. And then all of a sudden comes this flood of, of opposition from the world, which now puts him in the position of, of verse 10. He's persecuted. He's persecuted. And with this persecution comes verse 11 all manner of evil spoken against him. So this would, this would crush him. This would really get him down. But, but the Lord tells him, verse 12, don't worry about it. You got great he- reward in heaven. So he's encouraged by that. And then he furthermore, he's encouraged by what the Lord says is that, look, you may think that all you're doing here on earth is just suffering, but I have news for you. You are also being, verse 13, the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth. He's the salt of the earth. And and, and, and he's retarding sin around him. He's, he's, He's making the Lord Jesus more interesting to others. So he's the salt of the earth. And he's also become a guide to the lost for how they can be saved. And so this is bringing us now to verse 14 where he's called the light of the world. Now, when the Lord calls him the light of the world, there's a companion verse that helps us. A companion verse to this one, and it's Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8, companion verse to this statement, you are the light of the world. It says, you, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So these two verses go very well together. Verse 14 that we've been looking at, you are the light of the world, and Ephesians 5.8, they're they're, they're telling us about light. And what they're explaining here, these two verses, is that it's not just believers are exposed to light. I mean, these verses are actually giving titles for believers. according, According to these verses, a title for believer is the light of the world. The title for a believer is The Children of Light. So it, it, this is not how we normally think of light and darkness. We don't think of light and darkness this way. I mean, normally we think of light and darkness as, as what a person is exposed to. You know, we think of a person who's in darkness as a person who's surrounded by darkness. The darkness is on the outside of the person. We you know think of a person who, as who a person, is in the light, in the light. He's surrounded by light. He's got light all around him. But these titles in this verse 14, you are the light of the world. These titles in, 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 in Ephesians 5 eight, children of the light, they're not describing what's on the outside of a person like darkness and light. These titles here for darkness and light uh, 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 are titles that are describing what's on the inside of a person of what is radiating out from that person. And this is what's so amazing. This is what's so amazing about verse 14 and Ephesians 5.8, because they don't have the word in. These two verses don't have the word in them, in, you know. In verse 14, verse 15, they're not giving titles like saying, uh, you were sometimes in darkness. They're not saying something like, and now you are in the light. They're not describing the location of people like they're in a dark place or they're in a light place. But but they're describing, they're they're, they're not describing that, but they're they're describing who they are in terms of, in terms of, uh, uh, as they are either light itself, as light radiating out out from them, or they are darkness itself, as as darkness radiating out from them. And and the Lord confirmed this. He said this another time in, in Matthew 6, the next chapter, Matthew 6, verse 23 Matthew 6, 23, the Lord said, If thine eye be evil, thy whole body is full of darkness. He's talking about the body. The body's full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So what he's saying here is that sin makes a person so full of darkness that they become darkness. They become the personification of darkness, which means they spread darkness to other people like an infection, they, they infect other people with darkness. Now on the other hand, our verse here, verse 14 in Ephesians 5.8, is describing the inner condition of believers and saying, when it says, you are the light of the world, you are the children of light. Now, if Matthew 6.23, this verse Matthew 6.23, if it tells us that sin makes a person to be darkness itself, and then Ephesians 8 tells us that being in the Lord makes a, a person to be light itself or children of light, then, then this is a great change that we're talking about here in these Beatitudes and these verses here in Matthew 5 because it's describing going from being darkness to being light. I mean, darkness is terrible. It's terrible to be in, to be in darkness is terrible. To, to live a life of, 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 of darkness is, is terrible. I mean, just picture a person. Just picture a person that's in a dark cave where there's no light. And, and um, it reminds me one time I was in um, that strange country name, I never get it right. It's uh, Slovakia. Yeah, so I was in Slovakia. And they have their, these caves and, and you go, they actually go three miles down into the, into the earth. And then, and then just to show you, I don't know why they did this, but just for a demonstration, they turned the lights out in there. That was terrifying, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, but, but just pers- per- picture a person who, who, who's, I don't ever wanna go back to that cave, let me tell you that right now. But anyway, picture a person who's walking around in, in, in a dark cave, he can't see anything, he can't see where he is, he can't see where he's going, he's just walking, suddenly he hits something, he doesn't even know what he hits, and, and it just hurts, and he keeps on walking. That's the picture that God gives in Proverbs 4.19. Proverbs 4.19, when God said, the way of the wicked is as darkness, they know not at what they stumble. So the only reason why a person doesn't, d- 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 doesn't have the light, because it's because he's not in the Lord Jesus Christ. A lost person has not believed into the Lord Jesus Christ, as he said in John, as it says about him in John 1.4, John 1.4. In the Lord Jesus Christ, in him was life. The life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness. Now, this is a person, he's walking in darkness. There's a problem with a person walking in darkness. When a problem comes along in his daily life, he doesn't have the light of life. He can't meet that, that problem. He doesn't know what to do because his life is not built on following the person who said in, in John 8, 12, John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The person who's walking in darkness, he has no idea where he is in life. He has no idea where he's going in life. He has no idea where he's going after he dies. He's walking in darkness. But believers are described as the children of light. And believers are described as the light of the world. And that's wonderful to think that, that, that God has said to believers, you are the light of the world. You are to guide the lost out of darkness. And when a believer becomes a, 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 a when a person becomes a believer, he becomes a, a light of the world. That means that like a, like a light, he warns people of the dangers of hell. He, he, he like a lighthouse, warns them. It's perilous rocks up there. Okay. Now, as you go through these Beatitudes here, so-called Beatitudes, in these verses, which are verses 3 to 14, there's a great transition that takes place right after verse 10. So in the first section, verse 3 to 10, it's different from the next section, 11 to 14. What's the difference? What is the difference in the section 3 to 10 from the section Uh, 11 to 14. Say it again. Yeah, they to you. See, do you see, everybody see that? In verses 3 to 10, it's all about them. It's all about blessed are they. He's teaching the blessed are them, right? But in verse 10, he changes, and it's now our blessed are ye. So he's pointing to them, and it helps us to see this difference here when you look at verse 1, where it says in verse 1, and he, when he was set His disciples came unto him. So it's his disciples that he's addressing here. He's explained to them what happens to a lost person who becomes saved. He's going through these steps like we just went through. And so verses 3 to 10, that's already happened to the disciples. He's talking about people, uh, others who are coming. His disciples have already gone through being poor in spirit, being mourning, becoming meek and hungering and thirsting after righteousness, becoming merciful having their hearts be made pure, being made peacemakers. They've experienced that. Now they, 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 they've experienced persecution. So when he describes the person going through all of that, he's describing the lost who are going to follow in their steps. But in verse 11 is where the disciples were right at that time. They were being reviled. They were having all manner of evil spoken against them. So that's why he pivots and he, and he turns and, the, so to speak, points his finger in, in verse 11 when he, he says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, when persecute you, and shall say all manner against you. See, this is where he's pivoting. For my sake, great is your reward in heaven, for so cured, persecuted the, the, the prophets that were before you. Right? And, and, that, and that's what he's doing here. And, and, and because this is where, 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 where the disciples were. Okay, that's why you have the transition. But now he turns in verse 14, and he says, ye are the light of the world. That is a fantastic title. You're the light of the world. It's, uh, how, isn't it wonderful to watch the morning, a morning, you know, the sunrise? That's fantastic. You know, to see the sun just grow from this dark to this fiery orange and then full of light. I mean, just think of what that was like on the very first time that happened in creation, in Genesis 1. When it, when, when it says in, in, in Genesis 1, 1, 1, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved and hovered. The Spirit of God, he hovered upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. So in the beginning, there was darkness and it was a complete darkness. It was like that cave I described there in Slovakia. It, was a, it was no light and, 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 and you know, we don't really know what that's like because at night for us, there's light from the stars. Most of the time, the, the moon and it's not really a complete darkness. Man doesn't really really know how terrible a complete darkness is. In fact, that was the ninth plague on Egypt. It was the the three days of complete darkness, as it says in in Exodus 10.21. Exodus 10.21, where it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. That little note at the end there is really important. A darkness which may be felt. This is really describing that this darkness is so horrible that it penetrates into the soul. And that was how the earth was in the beginning when it was in a state of complete darkness. In the beginning, there was the darkness, and there was the Spirit of God hovering in, in the darkness, and then there was the voice of God calling for light to break the darkness. And then there was the light that pierced the darkness. And, and you can imagine how good that was. That's why God said he was very good. It was good. He liked that. And, 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 and imagine how good that first light was. Imagine how sweet that first light was as it appeared there and break up the darkness. And, and these are, there are two words that the Bible uses to describe light and the sun. And those two words are found in Ecclesiastes 11.7. Ecclesiastes 11.7 says, Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. Those are the two words, sweet and pleasant, that describes light. Why? Because light destroys darkness. Now, what light does is it shines. It's the word that the Bible associates with light. It shines. Now, shine is an interesting word. How would you define shine? What what definition would you give with shine? And don't use the word shine to define shine. Okay, so what word, how how would you describe shine? Yeah, radiate. Radiate's a good one. What else? Say it. Project. Bright. Illuminate. Okay, great. Uh, Great, none of you use the word shine. That's good. Okay, (laughs) so uh, when you say the word, uh, how about beam? similar right all these words uh, uh, radiate and project especially these words radiate and project
0: another wonderful day studying the bible with our bible teacher tom Cantor here on friendship with god